This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people, sharing uplifting news stories, and delivering tips and tricks to bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today, Dean Charles Chapman. I mean, what a life this guy's! What a life this guy's! I mean, hugely popular in Game of Thrones. He's also been in Into the Badlands. He got his breakthrough in a, a children's show. He was the lead in the revolting world of Stanley Brown. He was in Billy Elliot's, the uh, the musical, for quite a while. And then right now, he's in 1917, which is uh, an incredible film about the First World War. I mean, how to describe it? So I actually get my facts wrong. I thought, I, I discover in this podcast the difference between one take and one shot. So there is a German movie called Victoria, which they do in a single take, but with 1917, it's all done as if it's taken from the same shot. And I guess the difference there is it, it's almost as if it's done from the same camera angle. So we, we follow two soldiers. Dean plays one of them. And the, 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 the single shot, I'm not ruining anything here. This, at the start of the film, the two lads are told that they need to get a very important message. And that means the two lads traveling from point A to point B in World War One. I'll say no more than that. It's an incredible piece of work. Sam Mendes has directed it. We all know Sam Mendes, an absolute legend. American Beauty, Skyfall, various theater productions. And I, I urge you all to see this film. It, um, one thing, I mean, it was it, it feels like a, a bit of a dumb reference, but I, I, <laughs> regular listeners will be thinking, standard. Um, but as I say to Dean, I, I was reminded a lot of the, the Call of Duty video games. It's got that kind of, uh, it's got that kind of feel to it. It's, I mean, it, it's a very visceral film. Oh man, it's relentless as well, as you can imagine, given the subject matter. Anyway... I'm getting carried away. But D D Dean's a wonderful guest. We talk about all sorts. Um, and 1917 is out now. What I will say is, in this day and age, a lot of us, 
myself included, we think I'll wait for the film to come out on Amazon Prime Video or Netflix or however you watch your films or Sky. But with 1917, this is one for the big screen um, it, it, be, because of the way it's shot and the nature of the movie. Uh, yeah, you're in for a treat. And Dean, by the way, my God, what a lovely, what a lovely chap. That's once again, <laughs> that sounds patronising. But no, I love Dean a, a great deal. Really, really likeable uh, chap. Also, Game of Thrones fans, Dean um, offers some lovely insight into life on Game of Thrones, in, including, I shouldn't spoil it because it's lovely, but it's really stayed with me. Uh, the cast <laughs> tapping up the costume department for information as to whether or not they survive because the costume department are the people who, the only people who are told what's going on. That is delicious detail. Anyway, here he is, Dean. I love him. 1917 is out now. Given it's a very serious film about World War One, I'm well aware that my tone right now is way too jolly. Uh, so here he is. Lovely Dean. Nick, we'll talk about that. Oh, no. Yes, please. Yeah. And then, uh, still great. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. God bless you. Nice. Uh, Dean. Yes. I, I mean, already, this is beautiful. So yeah. we're not even, I, I, this is not how we intended to start, but you, you're jet lagged. Yeah. So you got up in the middle of the night, you went to the gym at three o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. We literally, we all got back yesterday. We was in the, uh, we was in LA. We went to the Golden Globes. And uh, landed yesterday, couldn't sleep at all. I think I had about an hour's sleep, if I'm honest with you. So I went to the gym, which is weird for me, especially like early hours like that. It was lovely because no one else was in there. I had my headphones on, listening to my music. It's lovely. This is, mate, this yeah. is awesome. Because I've got two young girls, I'm no stranger to waking up in the middle of the night. Oh. And I, I, I talk a good game about, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. And, I'm, and I just, I don't do it. So but this you, is the thing, it. it's, a new, it's a new year, new decade, <laughs> isn't it? And you just, you, you're sort of inspired to start off with, and give it a week and I'll probably give up. Yeah. What were you doing then in the gym? Uh, I did some running. Oh, there's a boxing bag, punched, punched, punched out the pieces. And then... um mate, you're an absolute hero. Yeah, it was, it was all right, to be honest, yeah. I felt good about myself. It was quite nice. Mate, I feel good about myself. I wasn't even there. Yeah, it was lovely. I'm living vicariously through you. It was lovely. So, yeah. Now, the Globes, I... Uh, we, we chatted briefly about comedy before the show started. I love Ricky Gervais. I thought that... Oh, monologue, he's a legend. I thought he? it was... I thought it was absolutely fantastic. He's so brutal, but I think that's what everyone loves about him, doesn't he? You know what I mean? He's so good and he's just such a natural as well. He's got a pint of beer, talking, don't care. He don't care. How was it to be in the room for all that, man? It was amazing. To be honest, it's something that I've never really been a part of before. Like, I've never been to the Golden Globes before. I've never seen that amount of people that I've loved all my life growing up, watching on the telly and films and stuff. I remember the first time we stepped on the carpet, me and George Mackay, who was the other actor yeah. in 1917, we got on the carpet and one of the first people we spoke to was Piers Brosnan. Stop it. And he'd just watched the film like the other day and he was so enthusiastic and like genuine saying that how much he loved the film. And, and to me, you know, I loved him as James Bond and that meant everything to me. So that was just still wrapping me head around the whole night, to be honest with you. He's just... a great Bond as well, isn't he? Oh, brilliant. Now, I know you're a big De Niro fan, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Did you get to speak to him on the night? No. Do, do you know what? We've, we was doing like these all sort of events like to the build-up of the Globes and I've seen him like every day leading up to the Globes, but I ain't had the bottle to walk up to him yet. I just love him that much. He's such a legend, isn't he? He's, he's honestly like my favourite actor. 
Honest to God, so you've never actually, you've never, have you ever had never, that, an interaction? Never shook his hand. He looked at me in the eyes the other day. He probably, obviously, don't know me, but you know, he uh, looked at me in the eyes, looked back, and then that was it. That's, that's all. That's all was happened with me and De Niro. But I'd love to work with him. And I watched the Irishman as well the other day. I thought it was good. It was very good. Have you? Have you? Which uh, I know you've. I mean, you've worked with some heroes already, but mm. which heroes have you been able to meet and say, "I'm such a fan." Um. I worked with Nicole Kidman when Sweet I was, Jesus. I think I was about 14. Oh, before I go to sleep. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was only like a day shooting. It's like the, right at the end of the film. Um, but it was like quite a cool scene. It's like a little plot twist. And uh, I got to work with her. And that, that was, I was really nervous that day as well. And like my mum, you know, she watches all films and stuff like that. And seeing Nicole Kidman growing up on the telly all the time, you feel like you know someone when you've watched them so many yeah. times. So. But that that was amazing to be a part of in the world of her. Yeah, I've made that mistake before. I, I, I used to be a sports writer. I once met Graham Taylor, the former England manager, mm. in the toilets at Wembley, and Ooh. my brain went, "Oh, you know him." And I went, oh, <laughs> I went God. "All right, mate, you're right." And then as the words were coming out of oh. my mouth, my brain went, "No, you don't know him." No, in the toilet, <laughs> quite awkward, isn't it? God. And he's such a nice man. He went, "Oh, hello, you're right." And he must have thought, "Who the fuck?" Oh, mate. Oh, God. Um, I mean. Your, I mean, your career. I know. I mean, I, I desperately want to get into nineteen seventeen as soon as I can. But yeah. at such a young age, yeah. You, I mean, your, your career is remarkable. So you got you caught one of your big breaks, and I've got. It was the revolting world of Stanley Brown. <laughs> no, but I yeah. mean, as any regular listener will know, I yeah. have such a soft spot for anyone who's done the hard yards on the way to yeah. catching that break. So whether yeah. it's you know, like I've interviewed Chris Hemsworth who did umpteen episodes of Home and Away yeah. and then that's the springboard but I mean yeah. in a way that I mean that, that you'd have learned so much doing that do you know you? what it's weird because no one's ever seen it was, you know, it was a CBBC show I was about 13 14 I think I was and uh, it's weird I've never been asked about that but yeah to be honest that was that was a big deal for me you know I, I played Billy Elliot in the West End for about four years and that was like my first lead Yeah, and that was an amazing experience and then I stepped off from Billy to then that TV show and that was again my first lead in a TV show and it was that was like my first experience sort of realising the pressure of like an actor and turning up every day being in every single scene and that that was a fun experience as well everyone was kids we was all having fun and that was that was hard work as well and that was sort of my I think that was my first experience in realising that yeah this is what I want to do like TV really? and film yeah yeah because I hadn't really done it seriously yet I, I started acting when I was four doing TV commercials and, and bits and pieces like that, but never had like a serious role before. And then when I got the opportunity to play Billy Elliot, that was, you know, a big part of my childhood. I played I played three characters in Billy Elliot and um and learned so much about acting and, and you know, theatre and stuff. So I had a good upbringing in the industry with that and then, you know, stepping onto Stanley Brown, <laughs> you know, that was that was an eye opener for me to actually realise, yeah, this is what I want to do seriously. I'm like you. I think we're both quite from interviews I've read with you. We both have one thing in common. Go on, emotional. Yeah. So to this day, I will still <laughs> listen and and have a good solid cry to mm. electricity. Oh, you watched Billy Elliot? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, what what years were you in it? I wonder if you were the Billy when I went to go see it. Well, as Billy, I think it was about 2010 to 12. But I played uh, Michael, Billy's best friend. Yes. At like 2008 to 2009. And then I was in the original cast, 2005, 2006, playing a smaller role called Small Boy. So I, I 
worked my way up, really, in it. I'm going to say something that's sacrilegious. Go on. I'm not just saying it because you're here. Yeah. I love the movie, yeah. but I would, it's one of the rare occasions. I mean, I'm even tearing up at the memory of, yeah. of the musical. I actually felt the... I, I even somehow loved the live musical more than the... Did you really? I did, yeah. It's, it was a really good show. It's a shame. It's finished now. It's a shame. I think they should try and bring it back like, in years to come when it when it's ready to come back. But I think it's a beautiful story. It's about a boy, isn't it? Struggling so in the mining industry. Well, and it's, it? it's, it's, it really, and it's a really good film as well. We were talking about it earlier with, with someone. I was filming watching ages and Jamie Bell's brilliant in that as well. So they good. all are. They're all really good. So so how did, how did you get into it? Because I mean, you're sort of, mm. you are, again, I say this with love in my heart, you're living the dream. So what, you know, what, mm. was your, what was your route into all this? I know it's commercials. So I was four years old. Uh, I've got an older sister who's two years older than me. And uh, she was in a dance school. It was a theatre school, really. It, it, had a, it had an acting agency. And uh, my sister was a part of that. She had just joined. Um, and the agent uh, of that theatre school, it was called Collins Performing Arts. It was closed now. Uh, but the agent back then said to my mum, you know, do you want to put Dean into it as well? Apparently my mum asked me, you know, do you want to give it a go? I said, yeah. You know, can't remember that, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> and then, uh, back. <laughs> yeah, 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 mum, let me go. <laughs> nah, she worked. She she really supported. And yeah. then, yeah, and then I just literally my first commercial was uh, for Nick Nickelodeon uh, Blues Clues. It was in Blues Clues advert. Amazing. And I was four years old, and then I got you know like a part in Casualty and things like that. And just I was really lucky. It's really hard industry. I mean, anyone to tell you that. Um, you know, to to be able to work and stuff in it is very very grateful to be here right now. I keep delaying getting on to 1917, and I don't know why. But <laughs> um, imagine that went through the whole episode. <laughs> James, why have you got a black eye? I never asked about 1917. Um, but obviously, before 1917, you know, Game of Thrones was 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 also yeah. such a, a huge thing as well, wasn't it? Now you you started off played a, a, a different part, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, I, I think it was season three. Uh, I played. A character called Martin Lannister. Um, I had one audition for it. It was only a uh, one scene character. Yeah. Um, and he got stabbed. He died. He got killed off. But it was quite a good scene. Very dramatic. Um, and I remember, I don't know if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, Mate. but George R. R. Martin, who created the books, he was on set that day. And I remember him watching it on, on the monitors. And David and Dan, the two showrunners, were there that day. And I felt like that was also like an audition for me at all the... Is that pure fluke? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. So um, those three weren't... I mean, that, that's. I imagine that's rare for all three of them to be there on the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, George was never there, you know, on set any other days. So, But I think, you know, they they were planning on bringing Tommen back as like a more prominent character. So that essentially was my audition for Tommen. And then I got the call about a year later, or six months later, <sighs> yeah, to say... We want to bring you back as a character called Tom and Baratheon. But at that point, if I'm honest, I hadn't watched Game of Thrones. I didn't have a clue that it was even books. I was young. The show, to be honest, wasn't even that popular. You know, it was season three, really, when it blew up with the Red Wedding. So I, I was a part of it, you know, at the sort of starting point of its, you know, yeah. fame, really. And then I got the opportunity to come back and play Tommen. And that was an, that was an amazing thing for me, you know, to play a character so far from me. It was a great opportunity to work with such great actors. Lena Headey, who plays Cersei, Jonathan Price, Natalie Dormer. Spent a lot of time with them people and really, really looked up to them and learned so much of them, you know, from them just even watching them in the scene. So very, very grateful to be a part of that. Now, you took the words out of my mouth. You, I mean, yeah. you couldn't be playing someone who's further away from nah. who you are, could you? No. And I, <laughs> he wouldn't get up at three o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. 
Yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. His have mum to... might do it for him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, his mum would get someone to do it for exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. He, he... Do you know what? It was weird because I look back on it so fondly now, and I was I didn't realise how lucky I was to be a part of it, and I really did. You know, it was such a blur. It went really quick. I was on it for about three or four seasons, I think, and it flew by. Um, but like back then, you know, it was you, you took it step by step, each season by season, and you know you'd get so many ep- episodes through and so many scenes. And I was always frustrated with my character, like the audience members was. You know, come on, do something. I want to do something. I want to dig my teeth into it. But I didn't actually realise that I already had my hands full anyway, and playing a character so far from me because that's, that's hard work. So I was, um, yeah, I didn't realise how good I did it really. But he's such a great, and when you watch it now, yeah, such a great character in terms of people taking advantage of him and him not realising what's going on, or maybe yeah. part of him is sussing what is going on. Mm. I mean, um, you've got that forever as well, haven't you? Yeah, always. And the thing that's amazing about that show is that, you know, that I feel like that fandom will never die out. It's like no. the same with Harry Potter or something like that. You know, people, they're still, you know, for the first time watching season one, I feel like it's something that will live on forever. So that's that's amazing to be a part of that, 100%. I've started rewatching it. Have you really? It's ma- <laughs> this is gonna sound. This is gonna sound terrible. Go Season one looks looks like it's. Uh, is it out of date ho- now? No. It, yeah. Watching it on a good telly, season one now looks like yeah. a uh, moderate, moderately <laughs> priced budget European porno. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, they well they went full on, didn't they? In the first, I think, like the first two seasons, because of the sets. Yeah, because you can actually see the budget getting bigger as the seasons go on, can't you? Yeah, I mean that last season. I haven't seen it, but I've I've seen clips of the last season. It's so like HD now, and the special effects with the dragons and everything. It was just. I mean, there's so many people that work on that show, and they you know they work really hard, so it looks amazing. If my wife's listening, I've never watched a porno in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, (laughs) spoiler, right? So, if you've never watched it, you've been warned. One of the one of the one of the great deaths. Yeah, you got. I mean, you got to love that. Yeah, you become a meme. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, every time someone's unhappy on Twitter, they use that. They use that. I've seen it. A lot of people tweet me that. And uh, do you know what? Was again really weird. I was. I didn't quite know how to take that death scene. I didn't know whether I was happy, sad about it. I just wanted to be in work so much, and as an actor, sure, of course, do you know what yeah. I mean. As an actor, you never know what's around the corner. Even still, you know, I, I haven't got nothing lined up, and I'm like, you know, I hope I work again. And I'm, it's always that sort of struggle in the industry, really. So at first, my first initial reaction reaction when they killed Tom and was, oh God, I've got to get another job now. And that's six months of the year where you're in work, and it's amazing, and it's an amazing TV show, an amazing opportunity. Um, and also, you know, I wanted Tom and to just do something or kill someone or do something so when I found out they was just throwing him out the window at first I was a bit oh what that's a bit of a letdown I was a bit disappointed at first but then seeing the final product to be honest like the arc of the character I was really pleased yeah I really I really was pleased so I'm yeah. freelance everything you just said there I can totally yeah. anyone listening who's freelance yeah. will totally relate to what you're saying there because from the selfish viewers perspective I'm going what a great death yeah. you know and, and when it happens at the t- it's a real oh my god you know it's yeah, that sort of moment it. but from your point of view on a on a on a, mm. on a human level you're like fucking hell guys yeah know? literally literally and I felt and back then I felt like I didn't have a I didn't have that much as a story compared to all the other characters I have, and I thought I was just getting started. And then, you know, they killed me off. How do they break it? Uh, they, they ring you. They give you a phone call. But I actually sort of interrogated the costume department before the phone call. 
And I was because they're the only ones that read the script before the actors, just so they can prepare all the costumes That's and great stuff. Great intel. So I was just like, listen, what goes on? Am I back next year? And they said, no, you die. But at first, at first, like the season <laughs> before that, I heard that they was going to have Tom and uh, die off in a battle scene. So I think they was planning on this big battle. And then they actually decided to just blow up the sept instead and kill everyone in a big explosion, which I think is a bit better. It's an, it's an extraordinary scene, and your moment in particular, I think, is etched on the yeah. memory forever, you know. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you've nothing lined up. May I just say, there yeah. will be no better calling card, my friend, than uh, a Sam Mendes movie called 1917 <laughs> that's just won the, the best picture at the yeah. best drama at the Globes. Yeah. Um, it's an extraordinary piece of work, isn't it? Thank you very much. I'm really, honestly, really proud of this. I mean, I'm proud of everything I do, but this in particular, I've never been a part of anything, anything like this. I mean, we, it's a, it's a very real story. You know, the First World War actually happened. And at the end of the day, you know, we look at them as soldiers, but really they're, you know, under the uniform, they're human beings. And I think that's what our story works on a lot is the human side of war. And um, I'm I'm really proud of it. And we filmed it in one continuous take as well, which is something that hasn't really... It's been done before, but I don't, I don't think anything on this, Not on this scale. kind of scale. The only one that springs to mind, was it Victoria, the German? They did. Victor- Victoria was actually one take. That's a one take film. So they actually, from start to finish, filmed ah, was, it. This is, what, this yes, is yes, one yes. shot. So we, we did one shot sequences stitched together to appear as though it's one take. I'm going to keep my mistake in. Yeah, lesser hosts they would yeah. edit that out but you know what I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm bigger no, to listen, fess up it's, it's hard I didn't you know I didn't fully understand it first when I first had the got the part but you know it's, it is a different thing from a one take film to a one shot film yes uh, but you know again they, they, the shots that we were pulling off sometimes lasted up to I think the longest one we did was about eight and a half minutes are you joking no, and that, you know, on average, they averaged about seven minutes. I'm not spoiling anything when I say this. Is yeah. that the scene where you're walking down the trenches and people are trying to walk across? No, you? it was a different scene. And if okay. I say it, it's no, no, a no, big no, spoiler. No, no, I'll no. tell you after. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's, it, it, but I mean, in order to achieve that, we had to rehearse for six months before we started shooting. And, you know, that's kind of unheard of unless you're doing theatre. Dean, um, that's yeah. extraordinary. So, I mean, if, you know, the first week of rehearsals, it was just me... Sam Mendes, the director, and George Mackay, who plays Schofield. Yeah. Literally walking in an empty field in the middle of the countryside, walking and talking the scenes at full pace as though they would be, and stabbing stakes along the floor, you know, to mark out, you know, is the start, there's the wall, you know, there's the bomb crater that makes you slow down, and that gives the opportunity for the camera to turn around to change its angle. And we literally mapped out the scenes, you know, scene by scene for six months, and then built the sets around the scenes that we were choreographing really because it really is a choreographed dance between the camera yeah. and the actors at all times uh, and it's it was very hard <laughs> so are you repeating it almost until it's muscle memory exactly i mean time the six months finished we unconsciously knew the choreography um but still on the day you know we would rehearse 20 times before we even started rolling the cameras and then when we did start rolling the cameras we'd do about 40 plus 30 plus takes so i mean we did it a lot but a, you know a director like sam it you know and an actor like george as well is a phenomenal actor it makes you feel like you're doing it for the first time and uh and as well like these sets that were built i mean you've seen the film now it, it's it was so realistic to be there. There was no real heavy Such use of green screen. Everything yeah. you see on screen is what was genuinely there. And it, I found it so immersive. And as an actor doing, you know, nearly nine nine minute scenes, you do become lost in 
in what you're doing. You just get fully wrapped up and you actually forget you're filming a film. Where we know the steps unconsciously, it all becomes natural and sort of second nature. You 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 don't really have to think about anything. And it, it as well, it was just such a natural it had to be a natural performance. It had to be lived rather than performed or acted. It had to just seem yes. real. Yeah. Now, to any of our younger listeners mm-hmm. who might be thinking, oh, movie about the First World War, yeah. I think I'll skip it. I really, now as, as an avid gamer, I really mean this. Yeah. What it, re- what it reminded me of, and I, I love these games, and I say this as a huge compliment, it reminded me of a, of, of a great Call of Duty game. Yep. In the, you know, and again, I'm not giving anything away, but the scenes where. This is happening. We've got to get through here. This mm-hmm. this is happening. We've got to get out, get out of this. Um, so I, I actually think to, to anyone who loves video games, they will be reminded of, in the best way possible of those incredible. One hundred percent. I'm a big gamer too, but yeah. I, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't quite realise how that. You know, I didn't realise that that would be the effect. You know, when when you know the final products. I was just so into you know being present and being an actor and doing the job that you don't actually wonder what it's going to look like but I remember the first time seeing it you know there's the the camera never appears to cut it's constant and that's the same with a video game you know and it really is like you're there with these men every single step they take and and that's very immersive and it's like like you say these video games now they're so realistic and so immersive you're looking through the eyes of a character it's kind of the same thing when you watch this film and and again uh I sound like I sound like I uh, I sound like my dad is Sam Mendes, such is my uh, <laughs> l- love of this. But I would say again, in the best way possible, if you w- if you would like your nerves <laughs> to feel like they're shredded down to the bone, mm. I mean it's that kind of it's that visceral. Obviously, I mean, crikey, I, obviously I've never fought in a war, and I, and I <laughs> hopefully I never will. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not for a minute comparing watching a movie mm-hmm. to being in a war. But mm-hmm. I hope the listener knows where I'm where I'm coming from here. It, what Mendes and you guys have done is is uh, enable the viewer to at least get some sort of insight as, as to what it might have been like. Exactly. Do you know, that's the one thing that I, you know, one thing, I love many things, but one of the first things that I've loved about reading the script for the first time is that, you know, there's no man with a machine gun taking on 100 men, killing a lot of them, coming out of a, you know, without a scratch. You know, these men are loading their rifle you know, 10 rounds at a time and actually counting right. the bullets yeah. as they're firing and, you know, reloading on screen. And and it's, you know, they're not superheroes. They don't have special powers. They're just human beings. They're just normal. They're just one in millions of people that was in that war. And they're so young as well. And, it, and, it, and as you say, it really does give you a good insight to what it would have been like. And especially as an actor, you know, as an, it's your job to bring things to life and sort of have a, a great... 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Understanding to what it would have been like, the best to your ability. And I've, I, there's no way that I could have fought in that war or any war at that ma- you know, matter of fact. So, um, yeah. I, re- I read something about you. Um, there is this extraordinary story about a book you were reading to prepare. Yeah. Can you can you share with a hundred percent? Well, I mean, in them six months of rehearsals, we had a research period, um, and I read a book called The Western Front Diaries, and uh, that book it's snippets of diary entries um, of soldiers that fought in the war, um, and I found out that my great great grandfather called David Henry Pierce had a diary entry in that book, and I didn't know that before starting this film. And I was completely, <laughs> I mean, amazed. And, you know... Uh, I he, mean, mate... <laughs> he's got such a good story as well. It's, I mean, all of them men have, you know. It's, but he, 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 he talks about how he fought in the cavalry. And one day he was in no man's land. And he was basically shot, instantly paralysed, bleeding out for four days, trying to get back to the British side in the middle of no man's land. And... um Long story short, he ended up surviving the war and working in the first poppy factory that opened in Richmond after the war. And he worked there until he died. And, you know, I've got now pictures on my phone of him and so inspiring to me, you know, telling the story of the First World War, I automatically felt much more connected to the character and everything when I found that out. And and that's one thing as well that I hope, you know, that people take away from the film. You know, it's not my job to tell people what they should feel or what they should do afterwards, but I hope that some people out there you know, look into their own ancestors' history because I think it's so fascinating to find out. And, you know, you should never, ever, ever forget what them men did for, for us, you know, and what they what they were fighting for. You know, like the sacrifice that they made and, you know, the scale of the loss of life and they were so young. We should never forget what they did. Um, but, you know, I think it's so cool to find out, you know, your ancestors' past. I mean, imagine, you know, I'd want, you know, someone in 100 years' time, you know, my grandkids to remember me, you know. I think it's cool. I mean, they will, mate. Yeah, oh, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I don't. Know if, I don't know if William Hill would give the odds on that, but the yeah. uh, other bookmakers are are available. But the mm. the odds on you being cast in that role, yeah, selecting that book. Mm. How did how did you actually discover that it was you? Well, I, well, I, I asked my mum and dad first if we had any ancestors that they knew of. They told me like one, one or two, but they didn't quite know the details. Um, and then they asked their mums and dads, and then. Uh, it was my granddad who asked these cousins and they came back and said the story about David Henry Pierce, my granddad, who was in a book. And then I got the book name and then I had it delivered from Australia because I couldn't find it anywhere in England. But, you know, if I didn't ask that question, I would probably never have found out. And I feel like not a lot of people talk about the First World War and it's sort of undermined. Why is that? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean... The, first, the Second World War is much more recent, I suppose, and you know it was. I'm not. I'm not so sure why. There's not even a lot of films made on the First World War. Maybe because they think it's just trench warfare. There's not a lot of stories to tell. But really, when you do look into it, there is so much that went on 
so devastating. The brutality of that war is actually, I mean, you couldn't imagine, you couldn't imagine it now. It's, it's terrible. I, I, again, not spoiling anything at all here, but there are scenes where we are taken down the trenches mm. and you, you, you just get an insight into not just how grim it was, but the, the boredom must have been off the charts. Do you know what? When you look into the research of it, and like me reading that book with the diaries, that's a lot of the stuff that them men talked about is the boredom, the hunger, you know, the little fine details about missing home. You know, oh, I want a chocolate cake. Things you dream of that when that's taken away from you, you know, you really do miss it. The smallest of things. And um, and, and that was amazing as well. Like, I've got so many fond memories of like the first time seeing them trenches been built and all dug up and then having hundreds of extras all in their costumes to exactly how it would have been. And the conditions were so realistic what we were filming in. You know, and I'll never forget there was a time when I was, you know, we were sort of rehearsing and we had a bit of a down period while they were sort of faffing around with the camera. And I looked behind me down the trench and it was really horrible day. It was raining to pieces. It was really grey. And I looked down this trench and there was about 20 people down the trench, all sitting there, bored, you know, waiting for the camera to come up. Probably hungry, it was nearly lunch. Some was cold, some was tired. One of them was standing up, falling asleep under a bit of metal, using it as shelter. And it's images like that that I will never forget because that is the closest that you could get to how it would have been, you know, in that war. Obviously, we are safe. We weren't really in danger. You know, we weren't really getting shot at, but... You know, we was cold, we was wearing the gear yeah. and we was, and it's so weird when you actually are in them trenches, you really do feel kind of claustrophobic. You f you can't hear nothing above them trench walls and you just feel secluded in what you're looking at in front of you. It's a really horrible feeling. And, you know, the mud, the dirt, you know, and to think there would have been dead bodies and rats and lice crawling around everywhere. It's just such an uncomfortable feeling. And you've nailed it there, because the difference there is that these extras and actors yeah. are bored because the cameras aren't rolling. Yeah. Whereas in 1917, these guys were bored and they were about to get killed. Well, the, the thing is, actually, with the war, when you think of war, the you know, the First World War, you think of action, you know. But realistically, there was a long waiting period between those battles. They, you know, they were in the same patch of dirt in these trenches for four years. You know, and they would literally wait weeks on end to find out a bit of news, whether the Germans were there, whether the Germans had retreated, whether they're going to push, whether they're going to have a huge battle. And then suddenly one day they'd get tapped on the shoulder and be like, right, you're going over the top, see you later. And then it's like, whoa, now we're action. And, you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of, po lot of people realise is the boredom, what the men actually went through. And I, I don't know if that's probably the same nowadays, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, would you to touch on something you, you, you mentioned earlier... Um, would you suggest to any of our, I was going to say younger listeners, but any listener at all, mm. just to ask those questions then of any, you know, ask if your granddad's still around, ask about his relatives and, and so on and so forth. Just do your own digging. 100%. I mean, especially about the First World War, you know, it's important to remember, but do you know what? When I think about it, even any kind of history, it don't matter whether it's, whether it's, you know, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 200 years ago. I think it's I think it's so fascinating. Maybe it's because I'm an actor and I'm a storyteller or whatever, but I think everybody, everybody should try their artist, even just about your mum and dad, your grand and granddad, you know, their mums and dads. It's just it's, it's just important. You know, it's nice to know, isn't it? You know, where you come from. I think it's amazing. Because even even like to this day, if my 
mum say yeah. tells me a story about something when she was a kid yeah. I always think why have I, why, why am I not asking more about this yeah. it's, it's fascinating isn't it yeah, yeah I think we just take every day by granted really if I'm honest with you and especially now I've done this film and learned so much about what their men went through I look at life completely differently I really honestly do even just sitting here now talking to you feeling this comfort and, and warmth and life that is a beautiful feeling and now like i've been reading on the news about america and all this mm. stuff and you know if they it's so sad to me you know the first world war the second world war so many men lost their lives you know don't forget that don't let that happen again please please are you stupid any sort of war any sort of argument family beef whatever it is please do you know what i mean let's get real about it here you know we're we're humans. This is life. You know, you don't know what's around the corner. You know, Australia, they're having their, their you know, and that's natural disaster. Don't take things for granted at all, ever, because you don't know what's around the corner. And and really, I mean, it, it's almost a shame to say this, but yeah. the timing of the movie couldn't be more pertinent, could it? I mean, you, you do... It will serve as a reminder, as you say, that yeah. war is horrific. Well, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about that today, but... You know, we we didn't really make the film... It's not really a political film, and we didn't know that this sort of stuff of would course, be brewing yeah. up. But I guess you can... I mean, especially, you know, people were... It was trending on Twitter the other day, you know, hashtag World War Three. You know, and that, that should not be. It really honestly shouldn't. And I think, you know, if people watch the film, 1917, as we say, you know, it would definitely give you a good insight to how it would be in the war. It's a very human story about normal human beings getting pushed to their absolute limits, trying to deliver a message, trying to save people's lives. It's actually ironic that we made a film about war, but actually the story we're telling is to save people's lives. And I think, you know, that's something, you know, to remember. Now, the storyline, and again, a, a huge compliment, it couldn't be more gloriously simple, could it? Two young lads, yep. they've got to get this message, they've got to travel from point A to point B, and it's everything that happens to them along the way. Exactly, and do you know what I, I, I like about the film as well? It's not, it's not your average sort of war film. It, it's not. An it's like nothing I've seen before. No, it's no. not, and it's it's not an educational film about the war. You know, it's, it's as I said before, it's a very human story, but also it's kind of like a, it's got like a ticking clock sort of vibe to it. It's like it's almost like a thriller. It's a race against time. And they've got no time to waste, and and you don't know what's around the corner. You know they've heard that the Germans have retreated nine miles back from their original trenches where they originally were. So you're constantly on edge with these men as they move through enemy territory. You know, are they around the corner? You don't know. And you are literally, even me, I've seen it six times now. You're joking? No, I know everything what happens, <laughs> and I still jump at the points when you when you know when it gets scary, and I'm still on the edge of my seat. It's it's so immersive, I think, and that's because of the one continuous take method. And as you say, you know, it's like the video games are so immersed. I've never seen... It's, it really so is a cinematic experience. Yeah. You won't get the same feeling watching it on a TV screen or your iPad or an aeroplane. Imagine it, watching it, that on your phone. Oh, you, you, you can watch it. <laughs> you can say If you watch that on your phone for the first time ever, Sam Mendes should yeah. personally drive around to your house and clip you around the back exactly. of the head. Exactly. Do not do that if you can. It, on, I'm not just joking. It is a film to be seen at the cinema. It's, you, you've got to experience it for the first time in a cinema, the biggest screen, the biggest sound system, and just just try and relax because <laughs> it's tense. May, may I ask, are, they, are those real rats or is that CGI rats? Those are fake. <laughs> those Mate, are the fake ones. Thank God. Yeah. That, but to be honest, yeah, that's probably like one of the only few things that are like 
painted in. Like everything else, you couldn't is... fake a lot of the other stuff, could you? No, I mean it, that would be hard to film that scene in particular with the rat. That would definitely ruin them long takes. Like, you know that they have to hit a certain mark. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it would just ruin now everything. That you, now yeah. that you say that, it's the dumbest it's question the dumb, ever. It, you know, it caught, not to spoil it, it causes a big explosion, and it's like everything's timed specifically. There's health and safety. It wouldn't work well, and the rat would probably be blown to smithereens. So, that's, as, if, <laughs> as if Sam Mendes would be going. All right, and Gary the rat now in your yeah, case. exactly. Up he goes, learning his lines, perfect. But now, do you know what? I mean. <laughs> It, but even <laughs> even the even the um the, amount again, of, the rats ruin it. But even the amount of extras that we used in not to spoil anything again. But there's this sort of final sequence towards the end. It's in the trailer, so I can talk about it with yeah. the final trench run, and one of the characters are running running through no man's land basically, and and uh, there's explosions going off, and they used 500 extras that day, Jeez. sending them over the top. You know, everything was very practical and everything you see on screen is as it was, other than the rat. <laughs> may, may, may I ask, uh, when you're not making movies, TV, mm-hmm. being yeah. on the Globes, what, what, are you do, what, are you doing for, what do you do for balance? Do you know what? I just like spending time with my family and just trying to be as normal as I can. You know, I walk my dogs, I've got a few dogs. Um, what are you talking? What dogs? I've got a cocker spaniel called Oscar, who uh, is deaf now. He's an old boy. We've got Arthur, who is blind. We've got one deaf, one blind. He's a Labrador. And then you've got Tallulah, who's a little Maltese puppy. We've got loads of cats. We've got all Sears. It's, mad. it's like a zoo around our place. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just nice to sort of get a bit of downtime, see friends, you know, go to the cinema, and um, really just not think about anything other than normality. Now... Now you sit. Now you say that there's nothing lined up. I mean, I would say mm. I would say this is the most wonderful opportunity to do what, take on something that you want to take on. I Hopefully, guess. Hopefully, yeah. Do you ever let the mind wander? Are there, are there any types of, uh, are there any specific roles or types of roles that you you do dream of? Do you know what I've really, um, I mean, I think it's because I've I've watched Sam Mendes and a lady called Christy Wilson Cairns who who wrote Nineteen Seventeen literally in front of me some days like them six months rehearsals they were you know even on the days of shooting they were rewriting the script that's inspired me to want to try and make my own you know write my own script I don't know I think I know what about but not not specifically yet uh, but that's what I want to try and do like in my downtime now is try and try and find a story to write whether it happens or not I might be a lot of rubbish trying to write a script you know it's not for everyone but I think that's, that'd be quite cool for me to try and do I can see, I can see yeah. you playing some sort of. I can see you playing some sort of tough guy. Oh, I'd love that. I can see you roughing me up in a warehouse. I, I would love that. I'd love to um, do like a sort of snatch vibe, lock stocks vibe, guy Richard, totally. a bit of a gangster like that. Yeah. Have you put the feelers out there? Nah, I'd love to. Maybe I'd write that. Maybe. Yeah, I'd like that. I'd love to play um, western as well. I'm, I'm obsessed with westerns at the minute. Any so, favourites? Uh, I watched A Fistful of Dollars the other day, which was a really good film. Clint Eastwood. They're all on Netflix now, aren't they? Yeah. I watched Django the other day again for like the fifth time. Have you seen Open Range, Costner and Duval? No. Mate. No. There's a lot of Westerns I ain't seen. I ain't seen the uh, Christian Bale one as well. There's a uh, Christian Bale one. Yeah. That's about Outlaws. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You're in yeah, for a treat. Yeah. Dean, I can't thank you enough. Mate, Put it there, you. my man. No. That was great. Yeah, thank cheers, you. Cheers, Dean. Top man. Yeah, cheers, mate. Best of, I mean, you don't need my luck, but best luck with 1917. No, and thanks. it's a top movie that all ages will, you know. Obviously, the older people who were who were, you know, into the 
war and so on, yeah. we'll we'll get a lot out of it. But I do, I do, as I say, I think everyone right to the the younger end of the spectrum will get a lot a lot out of this 100%, film as well. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Thanks, mate. No, I appreciate that. Take care. Thank you very yeah. much. No, thanks. thanks that was that, great, man. man. That was cool. I enjoyed that. A huge thanks to Dean. Uh, what, what a great guest. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll be hearing. I, I do. I always enjoy having a uh, a rising star on the show because you do have the feeling that. Um, the next time our paths cross, that you know they'll probably be clutching an Oscar or you know something incredibly exciting about uh, like that. So I'm sure Dean will be no exception. A bit like Ellie Bamber before Christmas. Um, anyway, uh, huge thanks. If you're new to the podcast, check out our back catalogue. So I will flag the Carl Pilkington episode uh, has gone absolutely great, guns. So I'd strongly recommend that one. That's a they're all great. Ricky Gervais. Uh, Fern Cotton Oscar winners Patricia Arquette Regina King uh, Comedy People Lee Mack Charlie Brooker Ramesh Ranganathan Many many more um, Huge thanks as always As I say 1917 is out now If you want to get in touch Drop me an email Podcast at Balance.media um, If you think my What used to be a Leeds accent Can sell you Clobber Our sales team Are at <laughs> Sales at balance.media. Um, and as I say, 1917. Oh, if you enjoy the podcast, please spread the word, tell your friends. We are at balance LDN across the socials. I'm at James Gill Comedy. If you, if you don't enjoy the podcast, you just keep that to yourself. Um, take care. Thank you as always. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.